This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Dental Plus DSO podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Jason Thaler, Director of Operations at Sunset Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery in Oregon. Jason, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about, but before we dive into our discussion, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Uh, my uh, existence here in the, in the dental world is a bit uh, new to me. I come from the medical side of healthcare, so... For the past uh, couple of decades or so, uh, I have been involved in uh, strategic planning, uh, strategy, business development, uh, some M&A and operations uh, for hospitals and health systems uh, to include some, some pretty large health systems uh, on both coasts. And uh, I had the opportunity to um, make the leap here this year. Uh, not this year, I guess we're in 2022 now, but uh, in 2021 um, was presented with the opportunity to uh, joined Sunset here in our journey to sort of progress into uh, the future of of what dentistry and oral surgery looks like, uh, at least for this practice. So happy to happy to be here, learning some new things, but um, still lots that uh, are transferable, certainly from from the medical side of the house. So um, it's been an interesting journey and, and a good one so far. That's fascinating. So given your experience in the healthcare side of things on the medical side um, with some of that strategic planning, what I know you said a lot is transferable, but what do you see as really being the core strengths that you bring from um, that experience into the dental space so you can look at ahead and say, okay, here's you know really where we need to go um, from your perspective? Yeah, you know, I think um, both on the medical side in general and specifically uh, for, for one of my Previous employers, we were, uh, I would like to think, on on the cutting edge, perhaps, of uh, moving into uh, some more strategic, um, you know, next next level type of uh, things when it comes to payer contracting and patient experience, um, being efficient and effective, uh, and keeping kind of big picture overall health of our of our patient and the patient experience um, uh, really at the center of everything that we're doing. Also, I think uh, with with medicine being a, a larger player, obviously, than, than dentistry, um, and dentistry even in general being a bigger player than specifically oral surgery in my case uh, on the landscape, you know, there were there were just more uh, more tools, um, maybe some more automation and digitization uh, available to us. But some of those concepts are still concepts that we can we can transfer into the into the world of dentistry. But a lot of it is just being more efficient, more effective. Uh, trying to grow relationships with payers and uh, patients and, and, of course, our referring and collaborating providers and all of that is, um, you know, kind of the same no matter which side of the house you're on, medical or dental. That makes a ton of sense. What are two or three of the biggest trends that you're following in healthcare today? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, the biggest trend that I see, which probably isn't a, a big surprise to a lot of your listeners, um, is... Uh, private equity uh, on on the on the scene, and uh, not just being on the scene, but the growth of private equity in terms of uh, consolidations and um, just the growth of of private equity in in the industry. Um, so that's that's a big one for me, and and I have a you know my own personal thoughts uh, about um, whether that is is good, bad, or or other, and uh, what that might look like in terms of transforming patient care um, and the impact on patient care outcomes and quality. Um, so that will be interesting to watch. Um, 
and so you know that if that's if private equity is number one, I guess consolidations is pretty you know that's my, maybe number two thing, but uh, that's linked obviously to private equity, but it's also linked to a lot of uh, corporate um, footprint that uh, has grown and will continue to grow. I think uh, on the landscape of, of dentistry, much like it has uh, in medicine. So this is something that I was involved in quite extensively, um, you know, in, in my previous life on on the medical side of the house and uh, seeing it transpire now at a pretty quick, pretty rapid pace here on the dental side is, um, I guess, to be expected, but also there are some some aspects of that that are a little bit disconcerting to me, and we can happy to get into some of that. But um, I mean, I think the third trend is, um, I don't know if this is a trend or, or just something that I'm watching, but dentistry sort of trying to decide uh, who it is collectively on the landscape uh, vis-a-vis Healthcare, uh, preventative healthcare, uh, whether or not they want to be a part of, um, you know, Medicare and Medicaid system, uh, whether or not they uh, truly are, uh, you know, an essential health benefit, um, and what that then means for the future of, you know, economics and finance in terms of um, coverage and uh, participation in some of the health plans. Uh, specifically those offered by the federal government, uh, but but others as well. Um, and just there, there seems to be a, a little bit of a turmoil and some, um, you know, just, just a, a little bit of uh, an identity crisis maybe. That may be a, a bit of an overstatement, but I think there's there's some, ex, to some extent, uh, an identity crisis or, or just a transformation. Maybe it's, maybe it's a chrysalis uh, to some extent in terms of dentistry just trying to figure out who it is um, as as healthcare transforms um, the overarching just healthcare scene in, in the United States. That's a really interesting observation, thinking about the identity of dentistry and where it's headed in the future. I think it seems like a lot of dentists, you know, want to bring in as many patients as possible and increase access to care, but at the same time, are focused on making sure, obviously, that they're able to keep their practice open, that the rates make sense, and you know, the, any reimbursement that they have um, will help them continue to grow their practices, which is completely understandable. Um, from your vantage point, how much are do you see dentists and dental work integrating right now with the overall healthcare of, of people, or um, do you see that more of them being adjacent um, but but growing in a similar direction? Yeah, I think that's you, you've kind of you've kind of um, described the fault line uh, exactly where it lays, at least from my perspective at the moment. Um, you know, there are some areas in dentistry where I think dentistry is is, is quite aligned with um, preventive health and uh, has integrated itself um, extensively with uh, medical providers and just the overall health and well-being of of humans. Uh, so you see a lot of that in our in our public health dentists and our um, federal, federally qualified health healthcare clinics and things like that. Uh, some people that are doing some really really great work and and who probably aren't getting paid uh, anywhere near what they're uh, what they're worth uh, in terms of value from a true uh, you know healthcare uh, perspective, right? As part of of healthcare holistically. Of course, uh, you know where I work in oral surgeries. We have we have a, a foot in in each camp. Um, we we do have one surgeon here that uh, has a fairly extensive orthognathic practice. So uh, we deal with um, quite a few. Um, you know, there's quite a quite a bit of overlap with uh, with medicine and uh, with uh, medical providers. Uh, sorry, medical payers. Um, 
you know, that insurance is typically the insurance that's going to kick in for orthognathic surgeries if indeed uh, it's a covered procedure, which in many cases it's it's not. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm not sure if that quite answers your question, but um, it is interesting. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thank you so much for going through that. Now, I know you also mentioned private equity and, and consolidation within the dental industry. Where do you see some of the biggest opportunities for that? Um, and do you think that'll grow in the next couple of years? Or, or do you think really, you know, it's an opportunity that um, may take more time, if at all, um, it becomes, you know, a more consolidated field? I think looking at medical practices as a comparison, um, it, it has taken a while for the consolidation to happen that has been predicted, you know, one, two decades ago. But obviously, we're seeing that continue to accelerate. The dental side, um, where do you think that lies? Well, it's a good question, and and I probably, like many others, uh, am fairly interested in in uh, being a spectator, and and hopefully not just a spectator, but uh, deciding uh, in collaboration with uh, the folks here at Sunset and and with others that partner with us here in our community or the communities that we serve, and uh, how and if we want to play in those in those fields, but. Um, if I zoom out and I look at it from a little bit more of a macro perspective, uh, I think private equity will continue to grow. Um, I think corporate will continue to grow and consolidate. Um, and, you know, I think some people probably don't see a difference between private equity and corporate. I, I see some pretty significant differences in a couple of areas. And, and one of them is that, you know, private equity, uh, and I'm sure that some of my colleagues on in the on the private equity side of the house uh, would would take issue with what I'm about to say. But, you know, I, my concern with private equity um, is that the health and well-being, uh, the clinical outcomes um, of our patients is not necessarily what is at the center, um, right? I, I, I don't think that there are many folks investing in, in private equity who are investing in uh, oral surgery or, or dental practices because they have a particular interest in patients being um, treated as efficiently, effectively, and with the best outcomes possible. Uh, you know, of course, if that's a, a byproduct of private equity and consolidation, then uh, yeah, I'm sure that they're happy to see that. But uh, they're looking for a return on their investment, and I mean very specifically financially. And so I do think that there are some things that private equity firms can bring to the table and the management companies that, they're, that are um, backed by private equity. Uh, I think some of them are going to do a great job in terms of standardizing, uh, do some great things in, in terms of uh, making more efficient and more effective. But at a certain point, uh, it almost feels like uh, because these private equity companies are really flipping uh, these practices every three to seven years, my concern is that it's going to be a lot like uh, flipping houses, uh, but that you can only extract so much value out of a, out of a particular practice. And at some point, uh, my concern is that uh, safety, quality, and outcomes will suffer. I think it's going to be a bit of a, a curve. I think they'll improve for a bit until uh, we're trying to, you know, squeeze blood from a turnip uh, at some point where we've maximized all of the efficiencies that we can get and maximize the uh, outcomes that, that come there with. Um, and then at a certain point now, we're just trying to do more, uh, more throughput, more revenue. Uh, and I think at some point that curve starts to reverse uh, is my fear. And that uh, for the, the, the financial value 
uh, our patients will suffer. So that's a concern that I have with private equity, and that will remain to uh, to see, right? We'll we'll see how that plays out. But um, I do have some concern with that, and that's where I do see some a dichotomy or, or, or a difference, a distinct difference between the private equity backed groups and um, you know the large corporate entities that are uh, growing, consolidating, et cetera, because those are entities that intend to exist uh, into the foreseeable future. And, and they're, uh, of course, they want to be profitable, uh, but they intend to exist. And, and they're not trying to just flip practices for, um, uh, you know, for, for a big capital event um, and cash out. They're there to run those and to be a resource and, yes, to be um, – profitable, of course, but um, uh, they're intending to be there for the long run. And so I think that's a big difference between the corporate and the private equity um, organizations that are on the landscape and, and, and of course, growing at this point. So uh, time will tell. And I would not be surprised if we start seeing uh, some legislation at the state or local levels relating to um, private equity investments uh, or even corporate investments, as, as we've sort of seen uh, as you know, on the on the medical side of healthcare, uh, some pretty dramatic consolidations happen, and we've seen some state legislatures respond to that in various ways as well. That's so interesting. Well, thank you again for going through that and that comparison. Now, thinking about um, sunset oral and maxillofacial surgery, how do you anticipate growing over the next twelve months or so? Yeah, I think. Um, there's a few ways, uh, two or three that, that perhaps I can mention. I mean, the, the first one is just being internally more efficient and more effective, uh, and, I, and I mean that from a staffing perspective, uh, from a greater utilization of, of automation um, in getting better partnership um, both on our, our side and, and on the side of our, our payers and that payer contracting, making sure that we're uh, on the right plans and not on the plans that um, don't make sense for us. Um, and so I think with some of that internal just efficiency, uh, as we've grown, uh, I think like a lot of independent practices, with, with that growth, um, you know, there hasn't necessarily been uh, the, the management. You know, when you, when you surpass a couple of, of partners or providers, uh, sometimes it gets a little bit too unwieldy for those for those uh, clinicians to be both clinicians and managers of their practice. And so um, one of the reasons that Sunset brought me on was to bring those skills from my, my previous roles uh, and, and to sort of develop us into a well-oiled machine. And so there's a lot of that where I think we'll get some growth um, and some efficiency from there. Uh, I think we'll get some growth as well from increased collaboration with other independent providers, right? So as the 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 corporate uh, and the private equity footprints uh, continue to grow. Um, I do think and hope that some of the private independent practices, uh, general dentistry, um, you know, peds, uh, prosthodontists, uh, all of the folks that are sort of generally under the the, the dental um, tent, uh, will want to collaborate with others that are that are private. And I think there's lots of opportunities out there for us to partner, whether whether in formal or informal ways, uh, and collaborate to um, uh, to really compete and to make sure that uh, we don't get overshadowed by those private equity and corporate um, entities. Um, 
and then just to, to differentiate ourselves. I mean, I, you know, we also have the, the plan to probably add more providers and, and grow uh, the number of locations where we are, but just to also differentiate ourselves from others and, and tell that story, right? Um, how are we different from any other oral surgery provider, both in, in patient experience and uh, staff uh, engagement uh, and satisfaction being here, growing a, a team that is, um, you know, the most high-performing team uh, and the patients that have um, just a great experience and making sure that uh, that is our brand uh, and making sure that, that um, we utilize things like social media, uh, marketing, uh, word of mouth, and all the other things that uh, you sort of need to do today uh, to make sure that you are casting a wide enough net um, and distinguishing yourself from, from other providers who might be doing the same thing. Because um, if it's just a commodity, uh, then you're just going to get what you get. But if you can distinguish yourself in some way, uh, you know, I think that ultimately leads in leads to uh, to growth. And in thinking about that growth, obviously, in the um, the story that you want to tell, having that great culture, the advantage in in things that you're able to provide for your patients, how do you? Uh, I guess, get the word out about that. How do you make sure that you are spreading the right message and um, getting, whether it's the branding or the story or anything else out there into the community to bring in additional um, patients and perhaps reach people that haven't really traditionally, you know, used these services before, um, but might need them. What is your plan for that? Well, um, that's sort of what I'm uh, right in the thick of uh, when it comes to our marketing and outreach uh, is determining what channels exist, making sure that we're adapting to the way that people are receiving information these days, right? I mean, it's it's one thing to have a, uh, you know, the old school banner up at a, at a high school football stadium and, and to support them, uh, but with 50 other banners, are they really picking yours out of that? Um, so social media, obviously, you know, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, and, and uh uh, every social media platform that it makes sense for us to be on there and really using some optimization um, and uh, setting ourselves up so that we're, we're both visible, right, that people know our brand, um, but more than just knowing our brand, that they want to choose our brand. Uh, so looking at kind of all opportunities to do that, to include, you know, just updating websites, uh, utilizing, um, you know, technology, right, so things that a lot of people are doing, um, not really even new anymore, but just making sure that people can, um, you know, get their their appointment confirmation or their uh, their instructions via text, or that they're downloadable on the website. That our website is, you know, optimized for mobile devices. Those are table stakes right now. So some of that we haven't quite done. And um, again, part of the reason why uh, I was hired to make sure that we bring ourselves up to, you know, current day. Uh, and then once we make sure that we're there to get ourselves out in front of that. But um, a lot of that, too, is is um, stuff that's not going to go away, which is this, the standard making sure that we're developing relationships and collaborating with uh, referring providers and offering, uh, again, the best clinical outcomes, being quality providers. Relationships aren't enough if we're not offering the best quality and clinical outcomes, but also making sure that our patients have uh, the absolute best experience that they possibly can uh, and with that comes a, a concerted, uh, developed, proactive patient experience plan, um, one that is programmatic, in fact, and, and not just uh, sort of let's make sure they have a good experience, but what does that mean and how do we do that uh, as a habit, right? So that takes a lot of work and a lot of staff training as well. 
Got it. That makes sense. And finally, before we wrap up our conversation, what are you most excited about for the future of dentistry? That's a that's a great question. I, and again, I think I probably would um, just circle back to some things that I've already mentioned. And, and one of those is just deciding uh, for dentistry to decide who it wants to be, um, you know, in the larger scheme of providing uh, overall care from a preventive to uh, acute services offering goes to humans. You know, it's, it's so interesting to me that, you know, just look at our, look at our, our healthcare coverage. You've got medical, and then for whatever reason, we've decided we're going to carve out dental and we're going to carve out vision. Uh, and we've just sort of taken for granted that that is the way that it is and these are separate things. Um, you know, but if we zoomed out and, and we had, uh, you know, blue sky or, or uh, empty canvas, would we do it the same way? And and if not, um, who's to say that we don't have the opportunity to reinvent ourselves and um, sort of redo the way that we are interacting with uh, patients and payers and other providers in the healthcare space? So um, what that will take, I think, is really dentistry collectively deciding how it wants to inter- interact, and, and um, until we get there, uh, you know, I think the status quo will remain the status quo, but um, I'm very excited for dentistry to sort of collectively figure that out and, and decide which way it wants to go so that we can get to the place of, of, of reinventing and improving. Jason, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much.